And uh, so tonight we're going to continue in that and uh, uh, try to hit verse number 14. And that's all that we're going to be dealing with here tonight with the subject of laying on the hands of the presbytery, which is an ordination which we uh, have experienced that just recently. Anyway, 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse number 14. I feel like I'm forgetting something that needs to happen and I don't remember what else to announce. Everything good? All right. If you, if you know, okay, let me just say this. If you know or, you know, have been uh, aware of the, uh, um, the game and, and the score, please don't say anything because there are some that are recording and it would mess it up for them. So if you, you just uh, remember that, that would be kind. All right, 1 Timothy chapter 4, <clears throat> verse number 14. Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. Let's stop right here, ask the Lord's blessings, and get into the message here tonight. Lord, thank you so much for your word. I pray that you'd help us to understand it, take some things away from it tonight that would be a blessing we want to be blessed, and Lord, as your people, we come again in a service to be reminded, to be uh, encouraged, to be uh, 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 spurred to serve and to stay uh, true to you and to hold fast the things that we need to and to affirm the things that we need to and, and to uh, reconfirm ourselves to your word and to your, your purpose and your, your desire and design for our lives. And so, Lord, I pray tonight that you would help us to, to gain from the instruction that we get from your word. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. The last time that we were in this passage of scripture was probably about a month ago now um, because of uh, the ordination and the special services and the different things that we've had. We have missionaries. Uh, we covered the three things that were needed in a balanced life in verse number 13. You remember that verse? Uh, uh, Paul says to Timothy, till I come, give attendance to reading to exhortation, to doctrine. <clears throat> Those three things that had actually had to deal with some different things in the Christian life. And he says, this is, if you want to be balanced, if you want to, if you want to you know, uh, uh, have your life, have your church to go on properly with the, with the right emphasis in these three areas, then you've got to have all three of them. And remember, we looked at churches, we looked at individuals that are imbalanced that might have one or two and not all three. And, uh, but we, we talked about the balance of giving attendance to, giving importance to the three things of reading, exhortation, and doctrine. Now tonight, we're going on to verse number 14, and it says, again, that, that verse, neglect not the gift that is in thee, Timothy, which was given thee by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. What is the laying on of the hands of the presbytery? The word presbytery is the Greek word uh, presbuter, presbuterion, I think that's how you pronounce that, and it's, uh, it, it means the order of elders. Uh, some reference the Sanhedrin or group of elders in Christ's day. A group of mature or astute men that are respected, respected men of the community with sterling testimonies of godliness and maturity. If you were, were to apply it and what uh, uh, Paul was telling Timothy, men who, who are mature in the word, that know the word of God, th this is the... the Presbytery, so you would say that they were uh, preachers or pastors, local pastors of different churches in the area that that knew the word of God, uh, godly men with with good testimonies and men that were uh, that were uh, that had a good good uh, uh, reputation. The Bible reveals that an ordination is 
the act of experienced pastors or elders gathering to exhort one that, are enter, one that is entering into the ministry or some aspect of the ministry. Uh, 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse number 17, as we will hit that eventually. 1 Timothy 5, 17 says, Let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially they who labor in the word and doctrine. Verse number 19, he goes on to say, Against an elder receive not an accusation, but before two or three witnesses. <clears throat> Talking about elders or the, the, the pastors of, of that area. Verse 21, I charge thee there, uh, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ and the elect angels that thou observe these things without perverting one another, doing nothing by partiality. And then 22, he says, lay hands suddenly on no man. And he's not talking about brawling or he's talking about praying for in, in this act that he's dealing with, <coughs> the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. And he says, hey, don't do this flippantly. Make sure of the person that you're recommending here. Lay hands suddenly on no man. And here men are restrained from conferring this responsibility to the unstable or to the unsure. A good long look at the man being ordained is necessary. And that's why uh, in the, the tradition that we have uh, followed is, uh, is the inquiry, the inquisition, I guess you would say, you know, where the men of God will sit, as we did with Brother Chip, and ask questions and uh, try to bring out from the man that is being ordained what they know and how they, they understand the word of God. So a good long look at the man being ordained is necessary. It's an ideal time to learn from the example of our ordaining that we just went through here uh, uh, about three weeks ago. I know this may be a bit backwards because we are dealing with it now rather than before, but we've done this before. It's not something that we don't know. But we're learning not for instruction on what to do, but learning by example, if you will, on what just took place, what we recently did. Uh, the first deacons were commissioned by the laying on of hands in Acts chapter 6. Acts chapter 6, verse number 3. Wherefore, brethren, he, uh, he says, they ran into some problems, there was administration problems, they, they were kind of trying to get things together for uh, the, the early church that was growing by leaps and bounds, and they had some logistical problems with service and people eating and, and being ministered to, and they needed some help, and so they, they were uh, ordaining um, elders at the time, <clears throat> and he says in verse number uh, three, wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we, may, whom we may appoint over this business. And that's the, the, the uh, officially putting them into the, that office of deacon. Go down to verse number six. It says, whom they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them in the prayer. And here you go again, the laying on of hands. So it's a biblical thing. Uh, the laying of, on of hands was a ritual performed that had its roots all the way back through the Old Testament and the setting up of, the, of uh, someone for great responsibility, whatever that responsibility was. Sometimes it was to uh, um, uh, set up somebody in an in a official capacity as king. Deuteronomy chapter 34, verse number 9. And Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom, for Moses had laid his hands upon him. And the children of Israel hearkened unto him, as did the Lord commanded Moses. 
And so even back then, it was the laying on of hands. It was the, it was the uh, recognizing the, the, the one to take the ministry and to continue with the, with the ministry. This laying on of hands was practiced in early church in uh, preparing preachers for uh, a spirit-led endeavor. Acts chapter 13, verse number 2, here's an example. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I have called them. Now he's, he's, uh, 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 God was, was uh, setting them apart for some missionary work. They were going to go out and they were going to start churches and preach the gospel in different places. And so here God is saying, Hey, I want, you, I want these men to be set apart for this specific ministry. And then look what it says in verse number uh, 3. And when they had fasted and prayed, they laid their hands on them <clears throat> and they sent them away. We may be appointing a new deacon or two in January as we come to the, to the place. What we do is we put uh, deacons here, the Constitution and Bylaws. We have a three-year stint, and so we try to have deacons that are, uh, have uh, experienced, and they've been here for some time. And so every, every year we, we uh, uh, put in one or two deacons for a three-year term, and then they serve for three years. Well, this year, again, there's, there's a, a couple that are coming off. And by the way, great deacons. And, and a suggestion is to place them upon the ballot again. But there might be somebody else that's on the ballot of, of uh, uh, deacon. And so, so that's what we're, we're doing here in January. We're, we're going to appoint uh, some deacons. The laying on of hands here was not an ordination as far as the deacons, but it was a setting apart for duty. And so, and that's what we want to do is we want to... Uh, follow the same procedure. And so our, our uh, uh, text here, Paul tells Timothy, neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by prophecy with the laying on of hands of the presbytery. See, folks, an ordination was not to be taken lightly. Timothy was to keep the fires burning that his ordination activated he says, you've got something that God has imparted unto you with the laying on of hands of the presbytery. And of course, the presbytery again, meaning old men or experienced elders or pastors. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse number 6, Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting on of my hands, Paul tells Timothy. He says, in the ordination that happened for you, you remember back then, uh, Timothy, when, when uh, we went through this? Obviously, Paul already went through this with Timothy at one time, and he's just referring back to that by the laying on of hands. So this charge that we read about in our text, 2 Timothy 4, verse number 1, remember, it says, I charge thee, therefore. He's talking about <clears throat> uh, uh, laying something, uh, a responsibility upon Timothy. That's a responsibility for this preacher to keep and observe the word of God as it was under attack. And that's, in the latter times, he says, this is how it's going to be. Matter of fact, both First and Second Timothy, he kind of warns Timothy about that. Second Timothy chapters 2 and chapter 3 warned about the apostasy against the truth. Second Timothy 3, 3, he, 3, 3, he says, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Folks, perilous times shall come. But the way we could say it here tonight is perilous times are here. They're here. It's, they were upon us. There was going, on, uh, going to come some, uh, an assault against the word of God. And folks, we are in a great spiritual battle today concerning the Bible, especially. 
Stakes are as high as eternity. Chapter 3 ends up with that assault against the truth and an exhortation to hold fast to the Bible. Verse number 13, he says, But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. He says, But I've got instruction for you, Timothy, but continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. He's talking about the word. He says, yeah, there's going to be all kinds of things going out there. Hang on to the Bible, (coughs) the instruction. Perilous times are coming, but this is what you do. Continue. Stay right here. Stay in the book. Then in 2 Timothy chapter 4, man, what a a fantastic uh, uh, passage of scripture for any preacher. He says in verse number 1, I charge thee therefore... Before God and Lord Jesus Christ, he, he had a charge. Again, he was laying a responsibility upon this preacher. It's because of what the Word of God is and what it represents. It's because of the attack against the Word of God. It's because this is where the battle is going to be fought in its hottest battles that this charge must be understood and must be accepted. And not just for preachers, but for churches also, for everyone here. The charge to the man of God is... He is, he is held responsible to keep it true and to straight and, and keep it straight as is a heavy responsibility. 2 Timothy 3.16, he says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. He says, hey, this is what we need to hang on to. This is what we, we're going to have as a defense. This is our weapon. This is our shield Hang on to it, and all of the scripture that God has given is profitable, is going to help us in this battle that we face in the latter times. It's the right, it's the duty and responsibility of the man of God, of Timothy, of ordained preachers of the word, of believers, folks, and of this church also to keep the word of God. First Timothy 3.15, he, he says there that the church is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of the truth. So that's all of us. Hey, we're all part of that. To, to hang on to the truth. To, to, to understand it and to know it and to be familiar with it. <coughs> you remember when David was, was uh, uh, donned with King Saul's armor. Here's this, this kid, whether he's 14, 15 years old and, and uh, maybe 16, and here's Saul, who is head and shoulders above everybody else in the kingdom, all of this massive uh, uh, armor, and I could see, you know, uh, David kind of looks like he's, you know, just overwhelmed by it. He says, I don't know how to use these, but I do know what to use. I'm proficient with a sling and a stone. Folks, we need to be proficient. We need to be familiar with. We need to know the Word of God and be able to use it effectively. <clears throat> so it's, it's the church which is the pillar and the ground of the truth. This charge of heeding, of proclaiming, of holding fast to the word of God was given to all of us, but especially to Timothy as the ordained pastor. 2 Timothy 4.2, he says, Preach the word. Be instant, in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. It's so very important to the preacher to understand the battle before us and the stakes that are at hand. Look at verse number 3 in that text. He says, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. They shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. Boy, isn't that where we live today? I mean, 
there's everywhere around us. You have people that are just, they're, they're falling for all of this junk that's out there. And you say, what in the, how do they do that? Well, they're, they're not, either they don't know the word of God or just forsaken it for, for whatever. And they're turned unto fables. And it's why it's so important for the preacher of the word to be able to know and to understand, to hold to, to proclaim and rightly divide the word, as the Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 14. Of these things, Paul said, put them in remembrance, charging them before the Lord that they strive not about words to no profit, but to the subverting of the hearers. And then he says to the, to the preacher, study. Now, this is to everybody, but he's, he's speaking to the man of God here. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. But shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness. The preacher should, if anybody should be, the preacher should be mighty in the word. In Acts chapter 18, verse number 24, this is what it says about Apollos. A certain Jew named Apollos, born at Alexandria, an eloquent man, and look what it says about him. Mighty in the scriptures, he came to Ephesus. He was mighty, what does that mean, mighty in the scriptures? I mean, he knew his Bible. He was familiar with the word of God. He was able to, when there was a problem, he was able to, oh, yeah, you know what, you find that right here. Here's a situation, you know, what about God? Is he like this? Well, you know what? This is what the Bible says about it. He was familiar with the word of God. He was, he was mighty in the scriptures or he was proficient. He knew what he was talking about when it came to the word of God. We have some great examples of local or federal officials, government officials who don't know a hill of beans about government or our constitution or our history. They're not mighty in in our constitution or our knowledge of government. But we're not going to be going there tonight because this is not a political message. <laughs> so I'm actually improving. I'm going to just, I, you know, I could really, you know, use this example to talk about some people, but I'm not going to do that. I'm going to just kind of skip that. Anyway, an ordained minister should be proficient in the scripture or mighty in the Bible. Yeah, I know that uh, the target audience is the preacher in places like 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, uh, is, a, is a familiar passage of Scripture, but it really is talking to the preacher when it says, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God, is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. And then it says, that the man of God, that the pastor, that the one preaching the word, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works works. But folks, it also applies to every believer who has walked with the Lord. All of us, every one of us should be paying attention to this instruction. We should all be able to handle operating in and understanding and applying the word of God for our own situations, for our own applications, for our own families. You need to know the word of God. Isn't that what David said about the Bible? We're memorizing these, this passage. In Psalm 19, 7, he says, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, 
Making wise the simple, the statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing in the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. And then he says this, and this is for everybody here. Moreover, by them thy servant is warned, by the word of God. It's, it's by what the word of God uh, teaches us. And in keeping of them, there is great reward. And folks, David was not a preacher, was he? But he was saying, hey, the word of God does this for me. It warns me. It's, it's a, a, a blessing. It, it's a, a, a light to my feet, a, a, a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. We should all be mighty in the scriptures. Hebrews chapter 5, verse number 11 This is what the Bible says. Of whom we have many things to say and hard to be uttered, seeing ye are dull of hearing. Here, whether it was Paul or whoever that was the writer of Hebrews, he came to a place that says, you know what? I'd like to share some things with, and I'd like to go on in some deeper things, but I can't. You know why? Because you're not able. You've not matured. You can't take it. Your, Your constitution is such to where you can't digest difficult things in the word of God, or that God would have you to know, or to go on, or to mature it. Why? Because you're still a baby. That's what he says. Of whom we have many things to say, hard to be uttered, seeing you're dull of hearing. For when the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and become such as have need of milk, and not strong meat. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. I did what did baby. I did what baby. Sometimes somebody comes and they should know the word of God, and they don't, and they're asking questions that are just so simple, and I'm going, Don't you know? Don't you know the word of God? And I feel like looking at him and going, Oh, you don't so cute. You went to baby. Well, that's what he's saying. They're, they're, they're a babe in righteousness. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even to those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. So the question that I come to tonight for all of us is, okay, let me, instead of asking you this, I'll ask me. Let's all ask this to ourselves. Where am I in my personal walk with the Lord Am I learning? Am I maturing? Am I growing? Getting old is mandatory. Becoming wise is optional. (laughs) And you and I know older people who are not wise, you know, they're just old, you know. But hey, it's not the time that I've been knowing the Lord. It's my growth. Have I been gaining in skillfulness with the word of God? Am am I I maturing into a place to where my spiritual digestive system can take the, the deep things of God? Am I learning and growing and able to digest the Bible or do I spit up all the time? That's the thing about a little baby, you know. You get a baby from the hospital and they don't work right yet, you know. You put stuff in them and they all over the place on every orifice that they have. <laughs> you know, they, 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 they can't digest. You know, every, every little child that I get, first thing I do when they come home, I try to get them meat, and, you know, somebody says, you got to do that! And I yeah, I know, I know. So I let them drink coffee then, because that'll help them 
to, uh, to, to mature. <laughs> no, they, yeah, man, man, they can't really, you know. Why? Because, it's, hey, listen, you don't blame a, a kid. They're, they're a baby. Because they, can't, they don't have the system for that. But somebody that's been knowing the Lord for a long time, how, have you, how long have you been saved? Do you know how to lead somebody to Christ? Do you know what the Bible says about fasting and praying? Do you know what the Bible says about a certain situation in your life, about uh, something that you're dealing with? Are you familiar with the Word of God, or are you still a babe that can't digest? Can't digest the, the tough things. Do you know what the Bible says when it comes to comfort or guidance or instruction? So anyway, let's get back to, the, to where we started in our text. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse number 14, that's the only verse. We're going to take a look at that and then just a couple of things, three things, and then we'll be done. Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. So here Paul tells Timothy, don't neglect. Don't ignore these things. Don't neglect three things. Number one, don't neglect the influence of the Bible, of the Word of God. Neglect not the gift that is in thee. And he's talking about what he got from the Word of God. Because the Bible has the power to transform, has the power to enlighten. The Bible is a living book that teaches us and that guides us. And the Bible actually changes us. Thank the Lord that you get into the Word of God. And man, I tell you what, it's powerful, as the Bible says about itself. The Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing of sunder of soul and spirit and of the joints of marrow. When it says quick, it means alive. It's not dead. You know, you heard the, the saying, the quick and the dead, meaning the living and the dead. The Word of God is quick or it's alive. Man, it, it works. I mean, how many times I go to the Word of God and it's a daily situation. I say, man, God, I have some situations that I'm dealing with me. With, with, uh, that I, I need some guidance. And I'm, in my personal devotion, I'm reading something and it jumps out at me. It's like, this is what you need. Why? Because it's a living book. So Paul tells Timothy, don't neglect the influence of the Bible. Expose yourself <coughs> to the Word of God. In every way, I'm talking about music and in devotion and church and, and, and fellowship around the Word of God. Hey, expose yourself to the... Don't neglect the influence of the Bible. Don't neglect, number two, the process of receiving the Bible. Look what he says. Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by prophecy. How do we get the Bible into our mind? How do we get the Bible into our heart and our soul? Osmosis? Put a, put a Bible in your pillow and you sleep on it at night. And then in the morning, you will have a bad neck. <laughs> it's not going to work that way. Wouldn't it be cool if we could? Just got this uh, little gift about charging your phone. I just put my phone on it and it automatically charges it. I don't even have to plug it in. I put it on top of this little deal and it charges my phone. And it didn't work and I had to go bring it back because I have a cheap phone and it didn't work. But wouldn't that be neat if you could just do that with the Bible? Just, you know, hold it to you. Just have it close to you. Lay on it. Sleep on it. Have it, have it uh, 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 
reciting all night long and then recording while you sleep. Wouldn't that be wonderful? And you get up and you're spiritual. It doesn't work that way. How, how do you get the Bible in you? How, how, do, you, how do you actually uh, ingest the Bible? And, and he says, don't neglect the Word of God, the Bible, neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by, this is how you get it, by prophecy. Prophecy here refers to the act of somebody preaching the Word, like a speaker. This talks about sermons. Talks about church. I gain from coming to church and hearing the Word of God preached and taught. Listening to sermons. Hearing the Word of God taught in our Bible studies, in our classes. Man, I tell you what, I, I was blessed this morning. I was in uh, Brother Kim. He's one of our teachers, and he uh, teaches uh, his own family <laughs> and whoever else that, that jumps in that class. And so t- today I'm kind of you know, going around in different classes, and, and I, I, uh, was, I was privileged to be able to be with, uh, with him in that, in that Bible study. Man, it was good stuff. Brother Kim, it's good. I enjoyed that. I really did. I enjoyed that. And just this morning, God gave me something that Brother Jeho pointed out. And it wasn't what he said, but how God used that in my understanding of that passage of Scripture. And I'm going, this is so cool. Thank you, God. I'm learning something. Hey, folks, you know what? Going to church, being exposed to the Word of God helps all of us. And, you know, we need that. We need that. Somebody gets this cockeyed, you know, notion that they can get better spiritual, you know, uh, uh, ad- advancement by whatever, staying away from church. No, that's not God's plan. That is just not God's plan. I gain by coming to church, to hearing the word of God, God taught. Um, so he says, don't neglect, number one, the influence of the Bible. Don't neglect the process of receiving the Bible by prophecy. He's saying, don't neglect church. You know what? The Bible has much to say about us gathering together and actually gaining from the services. First Thessalonians 5.11, Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another as even, even as also ye do. Well, how did they? How, how did they comfort themselves together? How did they edify one another like their practice was? Because they were doing it. He's saying, hey, good job, guys. You're doing right. Keep doing that when you edify one another, when you comfort one another like you're doing. How did they, how did they do that? Well, they had a habit of gathering together for services where the word of God was being taught. Amen. That's a blessing. That's a blessing to see that. Uh, <clears throat> they had a habit of church. Second Peter 1.12, Wherefore I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though you know them and be established in the present truth. He says, now, I'm not telling you anything you don't know. You know these things, or, or you've heard them before. Sometimes we need to be reminded. Uh, gentlemen, does your wife ever need to be reminded that you love her? I mean, you love her, right? You told her at the altar, and so why does she have to hear it again? You know, why, why do you have to know about, you know, that? You, it's, it's a, it's not, you're not telling her anything new, are you? You know, you love her. Well, I told her about 10 years ago, and so it should be good. You know, but you know what? She just needs to be reminded. 
you know, you know that. We've got some women that are elbowing their, their husbands at this point. Yeah, you need to be reminded. I mean, you know that, but hey, and you know what, what Paul said here? He said, wherefore, I, I, I uh, don't want to be negligent to put you always in remembrance, though you know, you know them. It's not anything new, but you need to be reminded. Hey, we get together. We need to be reminded that, hey, we win. The Lord's on top. And he rules no matter what it looks like. And sometimes we just need to be encouraged to know that and to go over these truths over and over and over again. How do we need to? How are we going to be reminded? Well, in church. Where do you get that? You know, uh, going over and over things, although you know them as church. Hey, listen, don't, don't leave church and say, well, I didn't learn anything. Sometimes you just need to be reminded about some things, okay? about how good God is and, and how, ble- how much of a blessing it is to be a, a believer and, and to know the Lord. Hebrews 10, 24, and let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. To provoke, you know, provoke is negative. You know, if you got a really annoying friend that does something that you really hate, they provoke you. That, that's what, what I think of when I think of provoke. But this is provoking in the positive way, in a good way. Hey, to do some things that are good, that, that, that uh, urge you to do good and, and, to, and to, to be, be uh, on the right side of things. And so to provoke one another to love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. Now, this is way back in the uh, first century. They had some that had that kind of a, an attitude that they just didn't, they didn't get together for church. It was a habit that some back then did. Don't do that. I'm preaching to the choir, aren't I? This Sunday night. <laughs> and you, you crazies are here Sunday night, you know, and you can be doing anything else, and you're here because you've got that habit. That's wonderful, folks. Keep it up. Keep it up. Because we, we, as, uh, we uh, provoke one another to good, good works. Um, but exhort one another, as it says, and so much the war, more as you see the day approaching. So he says, don't neglect three things. Don't neglect the influence of the Bible. Don't neglect the process of receiving the Bible. And don't neglect the teachers of the Bible. Look what it says. By the laying on the hands of the presbytery. Don't forsake or forget those who taught the word of God to you. If they're biblical, if they're godly, if they follow the Lord... And that's going to be evident from a, from a distance. 2 Timothy 3.14, he says, But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. He says, hey, listen, not just the message, but the people that are giving the message, hey, they should be in, their life should be in tune, in harmony with what they're saying. And by the way, when you know, when, it's, when, it's, when you're familiar with that person, that's biblical when you don't know that person. I remember not too long ago, there was somebody that, that asked, Pastor, what about this, you know, this message and this preacher sounds really good. And I checked it out, you know, you, you go on the internet, there's everything out there, and I checked it out, and man, that guy was a crook. He was a crook. But you wouldn't know that unless you did some study, because why? Because you don't know the guy. It's somebody on the web. You don't know their background. You, don't, you can't really check it out. You know, you know what the biblical way to do it is? Knowing of whom thou hast learned these things. You, you see them. You, you know their attitude in and out of church. You see them, their family, their, their walk, their words, their, their attitude. 
First Thessalonians 5, uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.1.5 says, For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance, as ye know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. He says, hey, you know this. You can see us not just by what we say, but our life behind what we, we say. It's the Bible way of checking the validity of the message. Look at the messenger. Now, hey, if the Bible doesn't work for you, why should anybody else follow it? You know, you want to be a witness at work or at school or with your family. Man, you really want to see your mom or your cousin or somebody come to Christ. Why should they if you're worried about stuff all the time and you don't have joy and, and, and things aren't real in your life? You know how they will be desirous to come? Is if you display in your life the, the evidences of walking with the Lord. And they can see that. So don't neglect, he says in this one short passage, he says, don't neglect the influence of the Bible. Don't neglect the process of receiving the Bible in, in the lessons and in the services and, and all. Don't ne- neglect the teachers of the Bible, the laying on the hands of the presbytery. Let's not neglect the Bible. Amen. Let's be people of the book. Thank you, Lord, for this.